Welcome to episode 627 of the Entertainment 2.0 podcast brought to you by the DigitalMediaZone.com. I'm Josh Pollard. And I'm Richard Gunther, and this is the show that puts you in control of your favorite movies, music, shows, and games. Josh, I don't think we have any feedback. I looked, I, I tried to check. It's been a while since I've been on, so I thought maybe I missed something. <laughs> No, apparently it's uh, if we do a show two weeks in a row, we don't get feedback. I'm not. I'm not <laughs> sure what the. Maybe people just need time to really stew and think about their high quality feedback for their show. Possible. And if that's the case, you can still send it to us. Our email address is entertainment20 at thedigitalmediazone.com, or just go to the website and use the contact form and all of the other ways that you can contact us. We'll talk about at the end of the show. Another quick reminder, we live stream this show, like we're actually doing it right now. So follow us on Twitter to know when that's going to happen. We're also trying to get these on YouTube. So if you're watching this on YouTube right now, like the video and subscribe so that you can get all of the latest episodes. All right, Richard, let's skip over the non-existent feedback and jump right into the video news. We've got a lot of really interesting news this week. So you want to start with this story that really came out of nowhere? I do. I mean, you know, like as usual, we're going to start the show with a Windows Media Center story. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That would be a very true segue if it was 2011, (laughs) 2010, 2009. Right. Right. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. I'm a little bit out of time here. Okay. Well. So those of you who are MB users, and we know you've been telling us for years, pay attention, it's cool, it's fun, it's great. Y'all still tell us this, and we have not been paying attention. Well, this week, they released a teaser for a public beta of a new UI for MB that is... As near as we can tell from this video, an exact replica of the Windows Media Center experience. We're not saying it has the blue background and the fonts and it's the MB situation that you're used to. No, this looks, works, sounds, and feels like Windows Media Center. Yes. Like you would be... And now we, we all we've got is a YouTube video yep. <laughs> to go off of here. And we'll, of course, have a link to that in the show notes. And you should absolutely go check it out. It looks at first glance exactly like the Windows Media Center that we loved and that we dearly miss. Yep. And I mean, I'm kind of giddy about it. The idea yeah. of having access to my entire library that I have locally and potentially linear television as well, right? The, the over the air content that you could potentially get through that is incredibly compelling. Now here's something that for me is a little frustrating. I use the Apple TV as my primary way of consuming content. As best I can tell, they don't have an Apple TV app. Oh, no. Are you serious? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Richard, it is time for you to get an NVIDIA shield. I mean, (laughs) well, yeah. So funny you mentioned that. If you've been listening to our episodes about building Adam's home theater on the Smart Home Show, his home theater is driven by two things, an Apple TV and an NVIDIA shield, because there were certain things, including Dolby Atmos, that the Apple TV just cannot support for your own content. So, I mean, does this mean that I'm going to? I don't know. I don't know. But wow, this is so compelling. So I can't wait to try this out. Now, we haven't talked about when this is going to be available. The beta comes out September 1. That's probably hours from when you're listening to this. Right. I am yeah, so I'm, excited. I'm so like I am I I I 
It, it feels ridiculous to be as excited as I am, <laughs> but I am so excited for this because what it what it practically means for me is that I I, I could potentially move away from Plex entirely. And I could potentially move away from channels entirely, but neither of them are things that I use a ton. Mm -hmm. Now, would I use them more if they were Windows Media Center? Maybe. And when I saw this video, the very first thing I did was tell Jen, my, my wife, Jen, and she was like, oh, we're going to get that, right? Like, you're going to make that happen? And I said, yes, I am. And so she, like, she's as, as excited about it as I am. Yeah. So very, very excited about what the folks over at Envy were able to accomplish here. I have one major concern. What's that? Are, are there copyright issues here? Like, could Microsoft go after them? Like, I would like to think that Microsoft wouldn't, but couldn't they? I was wondering about that myself. And I, I you know, we don't know anything about the any agreements that anybody might have or what's going on or how they pulled this off. But it would be really, really lame if <laughs> Microsoft, which very intentionally and deliberately shut down this product that the community desperately wanted, then went after a small company that's trying to please the community. That would be outrageously lame not that it couldn't happen right but yeah i sure yeah. hope it does not yeah very excited uh i'm definitely gonna have to learn a whole lot more about mb now one of the things that i've liked about plex is that i can use my nvidia shield as the plex server i don't know if that's an option for mb that would be mm. really nice yeah interesting I, interesting yeah i know i was able to install mb because i did the mb install today on my Synology. So that does run from there. I have not been successful in connecting my libraries yet, which are still on the Drobo. I have not yet moved them over to the <laughs> Synology because I need to get some really big drives to be able to pull that off. But mm. yeah, well, and you definitely want to get off of that Drobo soon. Yeah. yeah. And anybody who doesn't know why, go back and listen a couple episodes ago. Yeah. yeah. No more support. They're gone. Done. See ya. Bye. Yeah. Yeah. So in theory, next week's show, we ought to be able to talk about our experience using MB's version of Windows Media Center. In so, theory. There's a holiday yeah, weekend back. coming up where we might both be a little distracted. So we'll or not. see. Maybe we will be so enthusiastic <laughs> about MB that it's like, sorry, family. We're not having a cookout today. I'm playing with MB. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. All right. Well, while we're talking about things from 10 years ago, there's a <laughs> new update to Tableau. And I know I joke. We just talked about Tableau actually a couple weeks ago because we were discussing how they were reimbursing folks who had put money down on their... 3.0 product, their ATSC 3.0 product. And we wondered what is going on? What, you know, what this is the right thing to do, but is that indicative of anything? And they just announced Tableau 4, a new version of hardware that is a, a bit of a reimagining of the platform. Now, this comes to us pretty much via Dave Zatz, as most of this kind of information always does. He noticed that they had a uh, an announcement out on their blog. And by they, Tableau is no longer an independent entity. They were actually acquired by a broadcaster. I don't remember what company specifically, but everyone was wondering what would that mean? Are they going to make it, you know, specific to their needs? Is are they going to cripple it in any way? They have changed it, but I don't know what your take on this is, Josh, but from everything I can see, it sounds like they've changed it for the better. So the first thing is that it is going to require no subscription fee now. The guide data will be available for free as part of your initial purchase costs of the hardware. So that's a good thing. They're also going to offer free ad-supported channels 
remember those kind of linear channels that we see on so many other services, in addition to the over-the-air content that the Tableau is known for. And the over-the-air content comes at you the same way it always has, through two ATSC 1.0 tuners. So that's the same tuners that we've seen on devices for years and years. They have a four-tuner device plan, but the one that they're currently making available is going to have two tuners. And this is going to cost you $100, and that's all in. That includes support, that includes your data, and it also includes, and I think this is new, onboard storage for up to 50 hours of recording time. And then, of course, you can still add your own external recording storage as always. It's still a network device. They haven't changed that. And they have another bundle where for another $10 initially, you'll get an antenna with it, or the real price is going to be $130. Of course, all of these are rounded down by a penny, but I don't say those prices because it's ridiculous. But this looks really, really good. If you're interested in over the air and you like the Tableau products historically, this seems like a nice new version. It does. And like it, it's smaller. It looks pretty if that matters at all. <laughs> um, it's, it, it's kind of surprising to me, frankly. Like it, it's weird to see a company go from having a subscription model to not having a subscription model. Right. And I'm glad you reminded me because I'd forgotten too that they were recently acquired. And so maybe that's why. But you know, selling hardware without a subscription tends to be a difficult business to keep running. So, I mean, I'm glad that people aren't going to have to pay a subscription anymore, as long as it means that Tableau is still around in a year. So, I, everything about this looks good. No subscription. It's a good price. It has onboard storage. It's not a lot, but it's enough to get you going. And, like, it's. It's obviously a little bit unfortunate that it's ATSC 1.0 tuners, which is, like you said, the, the legacy style. It's what we've had for the last 15 years or more. But it does the job, and yep. it's cheap. Yep. Like, 100 bucks to get this going is a really nice price. And then they've got apps for basically every other device that you would want to be able to watch your content on. So I... I think this is, I think they're knocking it out of the park with this release. Yeah, this is, I, I'm really impressed by this. And Tableau's always been a little bit of an odd model. Remember when they first started out, it was bring your own everything. It was a box that had tuners in it that you put on your network, you put your own storage in it, you put your own antenna on it. I mean, it was, it was so bare bones. And for it to have evolved as much as it has, and really, I think with this release, refined so nicely in an age where you forget that over the air is still a thing. And over the air is a bigger thing now than folks might expect. Like we're, we're now at that point where fewer people have cable than have streaming services. Think about that. Like that's the tipping point, right? But more people have traditional TV, meaning cable or over the air, than streaming. So over the air is now making up that difference, <laughs> right? Which is kind of weird. It is. But over the air has been such a great experience. Like the video right. quality is typically right. fantastic. Yep. And it's free. And I, I think the other thing to point out with over the air is, you know, we always say the, the phrase that everyone always uses in this industry is content is king. Well, you know what you can watch for free every Sunday from September through January? Football. Your local NFL football team. And that's what matters. And as long as you can do that over the air for free, I think we're still going to have over the air <laughs> free TV. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. All right. Well, over the air is great and all, but let's switch back to what we more regularly talk about, and that would, of course, be streaming TV. 
Here's an interesting story. So y'all might remember that last year, CNN tried to launch a standalone streaming news service called CNN Plus. They got the name right. <laughs> you, know, you just add a plus and that's your streaming service. But they didn't get like basically anything else right. And 32, 32 days later, the service was dead. 32. Yeah. It was quite a quite a month for CNN. <laughs> well, we've got uh, well, and actually, that was right after the Warner Brothers Discovery merger, right? I believe it was. Yeah. It was, and the incoming CEO had promised, or or VP or whoever, <laughs> whoever was in right. charge of news and Warner Brothers had promised that they were going to kill this as soon as right. they got in, <laughs> and they kept their word and murdered it. Well. They've reevaluated what they want out of a streaming news service. And by the way, that guy gone now. Oh, is he? Yep. Interesting. Interesting. So they're launching a new service and it'll be called CNN Max. And the name works because CNN Max will be available on all Max subscription tiers for no extra cost. What's Max? Max is what used to be HBO Max or HBO Go before that HBO blah, blah, blah streaming service that recently changed to the stupidly generic name of Max. That's where CNN is going to be. And it looks like it might be offering more of the content that people are looking for. While it doesn't sound like it's going to be a one-for-one you know, complete replacement of what is on cable television. It will still be giving you access to a bunch of live news, which is kind of important. It will have a bunch of versions of CNN newsroom with a bunch of different anchors. It's also going to have a bunch of their more popular shows like Amanpour, Anderson Cooper 360, The Lead with Jake Tapper, The Situation Room with Wolf, Wolf Blitzer. Richard, I think CNN is your primary cable news place. So like, does this sound like it's going to offer what you're looking for as a CNN viewer mm. in, in a way that CNN plus didn't? No. So, Oh no, I, I, I don't think it is. And, and because I, I think that this is just like a big, huge PR blitz. What this really is as best a I can PR tell. Wolf blitz. Oh, very, very funny. No. Yeah. Yeah. No. So this is AT&T or whatever they're, they're it's not even AT&T anymore, right? It's it's Warner Discovery. Well, yeah, Warner Brothers Discovery. This is Warner Discovery adding CNN content which they already own mm -hmm. to their existing streaming service. Even calling it CNN Max is disingenuous because it's just another bundle of branded content that's going to be on max right in a in a special section of the app called the cnn max okay hub, whatever yeah. right it i mean they've called these hubs it's kind of like you have the dc hub and you have the studio ghibli hub and whatever it's just they're adding the cnn content that's it as best i can tell it is not going to have my live prime time programming it will have shows that I can see after the fact, but I don't believe that it is actually going to be a replacement for live streams of these shows. Now, I could have read something wrong, but that's what I was seeing when I was looking through this. It's a lot of content. It's good content. They make amazing movies. They have a lot of good new shows that, frankly, people record and watch later, and that's great. So isn't CNN Newsroom with Jim Acosta, blah, 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 and all of these other people, like, isn't that the evening news stream show, whatever? Yeah, but I'm, I'm, I don't know. I just, I don't, I don't get the feeling that these are going to be streamed at the same time that they're live. Maybe I could be wrong. Maybe I could be wrong. And or maybe what it what they're doing is it's only these shows and it's not like you're not getting CNN as a channel that you can watch 24 seven. You're only getting these specific shows at specific times, which is really not a replacement. Like what if there's a major news event? Are you going to get that? 
I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, I, know I think this is great that they're adding the CNN content that they already own to get more exposure for it, maybe more clicks, and maybe probably not pay anyone the ad revenue that they're getting from it. But I, I just I think this is more PR than anything like revolutionary. Well, I guess we'll have to check it out for ourselves come uh, September 27th, yep. because that's when it launches. Yep. So about a month from now. Currently max subscribers. Yep. So we, we can check this out, although I can't compare it to regular CNN because I don't have cable or something like that right now. Mm. So that'll, that'll be in your court. Well, we should take bets on whether it's going to have more or fewer ads than you already get in CNN because, wow. I mean, those ad breaks are insane. Yeah. So while it may not give us the exact CNN experience that we're looking for, it is giving you access to a lot of CNN content that you do want, yep. and it doesn't cost you anything extra. Right, right. Yep. So it's, it's hard to be upset about yeah. this. Yes. No, it's good. Yeah. Okay. So let's move on to some audio news. And this week, this is one that I'm kind of nerding out on because it's headphone news and Richard knows how much I love headphones, but this is kind of special. So these are headphones that are coming out soon from Marshall. Marshall is the company that is best known for their guitar amplifiers. And oh, so a lot of their it's not like speakers, where I go for discount clothes. No, no, no. It's okay. not the clothing store. Okay. It's the, the guitar amplifier. Like This is the cool version, oh. not, not, not the lame version, Richard. Um, yeah, so guitar amps and guitar things. They have Bluetooth speakers and stuff that look like their amps and all of that sort of stuff. They've also had headphones for a while. The The new ones here that we're talking about this week are the Motif 2 ANC. These look like AirPods, but cool because they're black, right? And black makes everything cooler. Like, do you buy, do you only buy black shirts at Marshalls? I don't know. I've never been to Marshalls. No. Um, so they're cool. So. They they look really great. They supposedly have better active noise cancellation than the previous model. The battery life is better, 10 hours longer of battery life. That's combined, though. So, like, it's 30 hours total, so that's uh, actually only 6 hours of continuous playback for the buds, and then you have to put them back in the charging case, and for a total of 30 hours, not exactly sure how that math works i guess five times yeah i guess <laughs> i guess that'd be five times which is more like that is more like uh, typically a charging case i don't know what it's like for airpods but most of the other things that i've purchased it's like three-ish charges for a case so fine all right that that's all fine like none of this sounds super spectacular why is josh excited about these it's not just because it's made by marshall who makes guitar stuff it's because they're using bluetooth le audio and I started getting excited about Bluetooth LE audio last year when the standard was first announced. Yep. And it was because the main difference was a new uh, chips, not chipset. Why am I blanking on uh, codec? A new codec being used um, that is, it's a more efficient codec. So the people using it could do one of a couple of different things, or maybe a combination, I guess. One, more efficient codecs in audio processing typically just means higher quality audio at the same bitrate. That's the easiest way to think about it. I'm oversimplifying it dramatically, but that's basically what a more efficient audio codec means. Better quality audio from the same file size. Cool. If they sound better, that's great. But it can also mean better battery life because a more efficient codec also means that it takes less power to operate the devices at the same audio quality. And frankly, most people aren't going to be able to tell the difference in better audio quality coming out of their uh, wireless earbuds. So I thought, great, let's double the battery life of all of these things. That would be amazing. They're not doubling the battery life out of these. Oh, it's better, but that's not double the battery life. I don't. I, I don't think. I, I don't think the previous model was a fifteen-hour charge, right? But 
maybe they're going with kind of a mixture of the two. Maybe they sound somewhat better and have bat- better battery life, which sounds like a pretty great combination to me. Right. One that I'd be willing to check out. So their actual press release says this future proof technology delivers higher quality audio while increasing the streaming range. It's another cool thing. And improving audio sync for a better connection when watching video, which is another important thing. If you're if you've ever watched movies over Bluetooth, especially if you have kind of crappier Bluetooth uh, speakers or headphones, you might actually notice a lag between the lips moving of the people that you're talking to or listening to and what you're actually hearing. And again, with a more efficient audio codec, uh, it can also decrease the latency on, on things like that. So a lot of things to be excited about there. Now, your headphones have to support this to have all of this really cool technology, but so does your phone. And like I said, this standard was just announced last year. So if you've got an older phone, you might not be able to take advantage of this just yet. But the Pixel 7 series of phones has it. Um, I I didn't go and look for sure, but I, I'm pretty certain that last year's iPhone supports this. We're about to get new iPhones again. Yeah. I'm sure they will support it. Probably this year's Galaxy S phones have all of this. So if you've got a new high-end phone, you might already have this. And we haven't seen many headphones actually roll out with this functionality yet. So this might be one of your first opportunities. The other thing that I love seeing is that these headphones also support multipoint, which means that you can connect them to two devices at the same time. So like your phone and your iPad or your phone and your computer, and it'll just send. I mean, typically you're not going to be listening to like music and video at the same time from two different devices. That would be weird, but you could be listening to music on your phone and have them also connected to your computer. And now you need to jump on a zoom call and you don't have to like repair your headphones and stuff like that. So I love multi-point. So you get multi-point, you get the fancy new Bluetooth LE audio, better battery life, better ANC, and they cost 200 bucks out on September 12th. So a little bit pricier, you know, every bit as expensive as AirPods, but not as expensive as AirPods Pro. So I don't know, be worth checking these things out if you've got a phone that supports Bluetooth LE audio. Interesting. Probably not enough to get you away from your AirPods, AirPods I'm guessing. No, I, I, I didn't hear you say um, that they look awesome and they fit in my, well, okay, they don't really look awesome. What am I talking about? We're used to seeing people walk around with cigarettes sticking out of their ears now. But these don't look like cigarettes because they're black. Yeah, whatever. I'm happy with mine. They look cool. I'm they have happy an M. with mine. <laughs> okay okay all right well then let's cut to some gaming news which i'm sure you're super excited about totally really. okay but we get to make fun of sony a little bit so maybe you'll be interested in some of this okay so sony uh fully announced their newest portable gaming device and it is called the playstation portal First thing that I'm going to make fun of them for, their new mobile gaming thing, the initialism is PSP, the same as their last portable console, the uh, the PlayStation Portable, which also sounds like Portal. Like, this is just dumb naming, but fine, yeah, whatever I, I can I, get that over was, the name. was intentional. You don't think that was intentional? For it to sound sort of like the old thing, but also a combination of the failed Facebook video chat device? Oh, I think they were... A- there were some people in a conference room that thought that was brilliant. Well, that's the power of groupthink. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not brilliant. Okay, so what is PlayStation Portal? It is an eight-inch tablet with uh, basically a Sony PlayStation DualSense controller, uh, each half of a controller on the sides of the tablet. Think about Nintendo Switch, but with 
PlayStation controllers on the side instead of crappy Nintendo Joy-Cons. The display is an 8-inch LCD display. It's not OLED. Uh, it's a 1080p resolution at 60 hertz. Like I said, the controllers are basically DualSense controllers, which is good. The, like the DualSense, as long as you're cool with, with the thumbsticks being horizontal, uh, it's a great controller. And it, this, this controller also has the, the really awesome haptic feedback that the, the triggers uh, and, and the DualSense has. It has the built-in microphone that the DualSense has. So it, it's going to be a controller that feels really good if you're a PlayStation gamer. So what can you do with this thing? You can stream PlayStation 5 games from your PlayStation over Wi-Fi. You can also stream apps from your PlayStation 5 to this thing over Wi-Fi. Just things that are installed on your PlayStation. That sounds a whole lot like your home when you're using this. Well, you can do it remotely if your home internet is fast enough. Okay. So it will it will work away from home. But it means that you can't stream games from the game streaming service that Sony's about to launch? As far as we know yet? <laughs> or have they actively said, that's, yeah, it's not going to work with this? I suppose that's the most optimistic way of thinking about <laughs> it. I, I don't... I don't think they've given us great direct answers to that question yet. So maybe, maybe it'll support that. It, I, it really feels like it needs to because this thing is $200. You can already do this on your phone with the DualSense controller that you already have. It's a Bluetooth controller that will pair to your phone and your phone, you can download the PlayStation Remote Play app or on your computer. So if you're just looking to play games directly from your PlayStation 5, you have options or you can drop 200 bucks on this separate 8-inch tablet with this DualSense controller. I'm not like we talk about these types of devices a lot. I I it's not that I think there's no use case for them. There are people who are like, "Listen, my phone is super critical. I cannot be wasting the battery life of my phone." while playing games. So I do want a separate device for gaming. Cool. I guess this is for you. But but still, even if you're primarily a PlayStation player, why buy this when you could get the Logitech? Uh, well, actually, I guess I don't know if the Logitech one supports PlayStation Remote Play, but any phone, like you could just buy a separate lesser phone and pair your DualSense controller to it, or a third-party mobile-focused uh, game controller to it and play PlayStation games and other things. Android games, phone games, uh, Xbox Game Pass games through the cloud. You would have so many other options if you used anything other than the PlayStation Portal. So I, I don't I don't really love this. The other thing that's interesting in both kind of a, well, that's kind of a weird and lame choice, but also potentially a good one. This thing does not have Bluetooth audio, which feels super weird for a company that sells a whole lot of Bluetooth headphones, <laughs> right? You can't connect them to this. It does have a three and a half millimeter jack if you want to plug some wired headphones into it. But Part of the reason for that, maybe the entire reason for this is with this announcement, they also announced two new sets of, of headphones, some earbuds and uh, a full gigantic over the ear headset. And they're using a new proprietary technology called PlayStation Link. And I'm not going to make fun of them for having their own proprietary audio uh, way of connecting headsets to their game consoles because Xbox has been doing the same thing at least since the Xbox One, if, yeah, I, I think that's when they started with, with their own uh, wireless one. I don't think it went back to the 360. And it works. Now, maybe the, the one weird thing is the PlayStation Portal is the only device it's actually built into. The PlayStation 5 doesn't support this yet. So those two new headphones that they launched that support PlayStation Link 
They also come with a USB dongle because if you want to use them with your PlayStation 5, you need to use the USB dongle. Now, there's rumors that there's going to be a PlayStation 5 Slim or some sort of, you know, console refresh, you know, mid-generation refresh, and that that will likely have the PlayStation Link technology built in, so you won't need a USB dongle, but it is a little bit funny for them to launch this sort of new technology in the middle of a generation. It's something you would typically do as part of a new generation, and they didn't but at least they're including the dongle and the dongle even works on PC. So these, these new wireless headsets are like a lot of other wireless headsets in that you can use them on multiple devices. It just requires using a USB dongle. So interesting stuff here. I think the, the PlayStation link technology could be, could be good. Like it could be a lower latency, higher uh, audio quality, uh, set up for PlayStation headsets, but it also could mean like the end of having really uh, common headsets that can be used across lots of devices. We already have, like when Turtle Beach rolls out a new headset, there's the Xbox version that has the Xbox proprietary audio format, and then the other one that <laughs> works like that's typically Bluetooth, so it'll work with a PlayStation 4 or 5 or a Switch or your computer. And if you get the Xbox One, it really only works with your Xbox. And now we could end up in a situation where we have the Xbox version of a Turtle Beach headset and a PlayStation version of, of that same model and a generic Bluetooth or USB dongle 2.4 gigahertz sort of solution. I don't love that aspect of this, right. but I can't blame Sony for it because Xbox has been doing it for even longer. Well, okay, but just because someone does something that's a bad idea for consumers doesn't mean that another company doing it makes it okay, right? And Sony is known for doing the proprietary solution to everything, so... You know, I see the word proprietary in your notes and I'm like, of course, of course, not even, <laughs> you know, not even thinking about Xbox because I forgot that they do the same thing. So this is just terrible for consumers. And if you think about it, it's a money grab because instead of just allowing manufacturers to produce really high quality Bluetooth headsets that can focus their budgets maybe on features. Instead, they have to pay a licensing fee to Sony to be able to use and maybe get the appropriate badge to say that they're compatible with PlayStation Link. And I can't support that. Also, I, I don't own stock in Sony, so it's not benefiting me in any way. <laughs> <laughs> well, it does in some ways benefit the actual user because it is typically easier to pair these devices because at least in the Xbox one, you know, I haven't used and no one has actually used the Sony PlayStation link stuff yet, but on the Xbox side, you turn it on, you, you hold the sync button and it just connects and it connects easily and quickly. Every time it is super easy to move between yeah. devices. That's really nice. I imagine PlayStation link will work the same way. The other major benefit is on the Xbox side, you get a very low latency audio connection, which is critical in gaming. You you can't, you know, a lot of run-of-the-mill Bluetooth earbuds have latencies that are sometimes triple digit milliseconds. If like even some of the like higher end gaming focused Bluetooth earbuds, 60, 70, 80 millis millisecond latency and that can get noticeable yep. and, and that can be problematic in gaming. So it does solve that problem too. At least it has the potential to solve that problem, I guess, since we haven't actually used it yet. Right. So anyway, uh, we'll move on to the other story on the gaming front. And it's kind of related to this. Razer has had a line of their own mobile gaming controllers called the Kishi. I think that's how you pronounce it. Pronounce it. It's K-I-S-H-I controllers for a few years now. And 
Uh, they were up to the Kishi V2 this year. And you'll remember that at CES, they announced the uh, Razer Edge, which was basically like a PlayStation portal, but it was an 8-inch Android tablet that could play more than just PlayStation games. It played like everything. And it had a really nice version of the Kishi. Well, they've taken that version of the controller and they're calling it the Razer Kishi V2 Pro. That is now available on its own. You don't need to have the Razer Edge to get it. You can just buy the Kishi V2 Pro for your phone. They have a version for iPhone. They have a version for Android. It'll be interesting to see if they stop having to do separate versions when iPhone finally releases a USB-C powered phone, finally as rumored in the coming weeks. But anyway, there are, so there are separate versions between Android and iOS. There's also a special edition version one for Xbox. It does cost more money, but it has an Xbox button on it and it's styled to look like a white Xbox controller. The Xbox button on that specific version will automatically launch Xbox Game Pass after turning on the controller. The controllers look really nice. The other main difference with the Pro is much more advanced haptic feedback. That's the biggest difference that I see. Also, the V2 Pros work with an app called Razer Nexus. It's a free app that'll run on your device. That app is basically the same app running on the Razer Edge. So you're getting the same custom game launcher experience that's on the Razer Edge. And it also has advanced control mapping. So you can use the, the Razer Kishi V2 Pro, actual, you know, hard buttons, thumbsticks, all of that, and map it to games on your phone that don't even support controllers. Like it, it will allow you to set it up to map to on-screen controls, basically. It's magic. I've used a device like it before a couple of years ago, and it was a nightmare to set up. I'm sure it's way better here on, on the Razer device. I would love to get my hands on this and try it out uh, because if you're really into MOBAs or, or other popular mobile games that don't support controllers natively, this might be a good solution for you. However, it's going to cost you some money. I was complaining a little bit about the cost of the PlayStation Portal being $200 the Razer Kishi V2 Pro is $130, and if you want the Xbox version, it's $150, which to me seems like a lot for a mobile game controller that snaps to the edges of your phone. <laughs> We're talking the same price as an Xbox Elite controller. That's kind of a lot, but if you're really into mobile gaming, whether that be actual just games on your phone or game streaming, these are really nice really nice so that's it for our gaming news this week which means it's time to get into one of our favorite segments what's going on in our entertainment centers so richard what's going on in your entertainment center yeah i missed a week or so so i have a bunch not a whole lot of hardware stuff so let's just dive right into what i've been consuming in the media front what We Do in the Shadows Season 5 has been fantastic. We are caught up in that and totally enjoying it. We are now in Season 2 of the UK version of Ghosts, and that is just as good as it has been before. Really enjoying that. A couple more episodes of the Cabin Chronicles shorts on Max. I forgot to mention last time we were together that you know my secret embarrassing obsession Big Brother has resumed. And <laughs> this is the 25th season of oh Big gosh. Brother. Now, that doesn't mean that it's been on for 25 years. Right. Because we've had a couple of years where they've done it twice because of strikes and stuff like that. But they're doing an all out crazy twists every episode kind of thing. It's a little much, but as usual, I'm enjoying it. So I'll continue to watch that. I mentioned before that we were watching FUBAR. That was the Arnold Schwarzenegger series, I believe, on Netflix. And we finished that, finished the season finale for that. That has been renewed for a second season. We finished Good Omens, the second season 
of that, that too, has been renewed for a third season. Curious how long we're going to have to wait for that. There was like four or five years between seasons one and two, so who knows what that's going to entail. I binged all of the second season of Heartstopper, which is just this cute high school age kind of gay teen coming of age thing. And I think it's uh, uh, I think it's adapted from a graphic comic or, or graphic short stories or something like that. Just really, really nicely done. Also finished watching another embarrassing thing, HGTV's Barbie Dreamhouse Challenge. It's fine. It was fine. I just feel so bad for the people who lived in the neighborhood where they built that. Because <laughs> seriously, not only did they have to deal with all of the dis- disruption that Discovery brings when they do one of these shows, but no, now they have to live to the next to this monstrosity and all of the attention it's going to attract. So yeah. I hope so they were well compensated. Watching, so you've been watching this. Have you seen the Barbie movie yet? No, I still have not. I still have Come not. On, I know, I know. I really I need to go and see it. Okay. So Strange New Worlds, Star Trek series I've been watching. Last I talked about it. It was the musical episode. The last episode of the season was a cliffhanger. A good old-fashioned style cliffhanger, which we haven't seen from a Star Trek series in a good while. So that was kind of fun. I enjoyed that. Also watched the Jack Ryan finale, which is a complete bummer because that means it's over and it was a shorter season than all of the other seasons. It was six episodes instead of eight. Have you started this yet? I I haven't even started it. Um, I guess the one question I have is, do they actually end it well? Like this wasn't impacted by the strikes or anything like that. that. This would have been wrapped up a while ago, right? So each of these seasons has been a discrete story that wrapped itself up. So I feel like they did the same job here that they did on each of the other stories. There's always the opportunity for something more. We're just not getting it. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So, so with all of that stuff having ended, I got back to watching some episodes of The Courtship of Eddie's Father, got back to watching some episodes of The Bob Newhart Show. I finally started Obi-Wan Kenobi, which I've wanted to see for a while. I know it is widely panned, it is not thought to be as good as most of the other Star Wars series out there. I'm just way behind. I haven't seen this. I haven't seen Andor. I haven't seen the latest season of The Mandalorian. And now there's Oshaka, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, and probably not. I want to see them all. I just need to catch up and, you know, completionist. I can't just skip. I got to just, yeah. Anyway, so then my friend Josh started watching The Last of Us. And I want to be able to talk about this show with Josh. So. I also started rewatching The Last of Us. So you watched the first episode before. I've watched the first episode. If you watch more than that, I'm not up to speed with you yet. I fortunately for you, I've not watched any more than that. Did you listen to the first episode of the podcast? I listened through the podcast the last time. So I'm not okay. going to re-listen this time, but that podcast is fan. Fantastic. It is so, so good. It reminds me a lot of when I was watching Lost and Damon Lindelof and uh, the the other guy whose name I can never remember had (laughs) a show together where they talked about what they were intending and why something happened the way it did and all the background that you just either missed or wouldn't have known if you didn't listen. Yeah. It's so good. I, I'll probably get to watch more before we record again. So, All right. Let's try to watch episode two. Okay. All right. Also, on the ebook front, I have continued to listen to Quiet Leadership. We're almost through that. I'm doing that with the folks that I work with. And on the movie front, I watched, uh, well, I've seen this before, but I forgot how funny the original 
Hotel Transylvania is. It is just so crazy creative. Really, really enjoy that. And then we watched one night Avatar The Way of Water. <sighs> Josh, have you seen this yet? I saw it in theaters. I forgot. Seriously, an hour too long at least. <laughs> <laughs> this could have been a really good movie. It was visually stimulating. Oh, yeah. It had a really good storyline. It seemed contrived at first, but then it drew you in. And the character development was really good for so long. <laughs> <laughs> Do I remember that the, the final battle was like 45 minutes long? Oh, just way, 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 way too long. It was just, it was, yeah. Somebody needs to edit him, please. Please, absolutely and, insane. And he's making two more of these? I think Is that there are right? two or three. I can't remember. <laughs> so we've got like another 47 hours of Avatar coming up here soon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just nuts. And then um, finally, I rewatched some segments of a concert video that I absolutely love. My absolute favorite video that just dumps you in the middle of a concert. And that is Hans Zimmer live in Prague. I know, surprise, Hans Zimmer. The Blu-ray for this is in Dolby Atmos. And yeah, I know, I've talked about this before and I've watched it a bunch of times. This time I watched it in Adam's Completed Home Theater and it was amazing. <laughs> I bet. Absolutely incredible. It. It was everything that I remember from seeing it on the demo floor at Cedia like five years ago when I first found out that this video even existed and what prompted me to build my own Atmos system in my house after I had seen that. So, yeah, we watched that and you know, the roar of the crowd comes on after the one segment that we're watching and I, I turned to him and I'm like, I want one. <laughs> that, Don't we all? Yeah. Yeah. That was a cool experience. Okay. Josh, how about you? What, what's going on in your entertainment center? I, I have very little going on in my entertainment center. Um, in terms of gaming, I played some Diablo. I played some NHL. That's about it. No one cares. Uh, oh, that's not true. There's one other thing that I did play that is new. Um, the... I don't remember what it's called, but it's the rally expansion to Forza Horizon 5. It's really good, as you would expect, of everything that's attached to Forza Horizon 5. Uh, yeah, it's it's really fun. It's really well done. Uh, enjoying that a lot. Still have a fair amount of content to play through on that. And really not much else at home. But I did go and do one thing in theaters. And that was to go see the new Gran Turismo movie that just came out. Mm. I was somewhat excited to go see this. And then my wife and oldest daughter, they saw the trailer for it when they went to see Barbie. And they were both really excited about it. And I was like, all right, cool. Like, <laughs> If you guys are actually interested in seeing a movie that's based on the true life events of Sony partnering with Nissan to put a whole bunch of PlayStation gamers into a contest to turn them into real-life race car drivers, then I will for sure take you all to go see that movie. And I, I think reviews for this have been mixed. I liked it. My wife and my oldest daughter loved it. My youngest daughter even liked it. And what I would say is the story itself is good. Like, it's a good sportsy movie it feels very formulaic because it kind of is um but it's also mostly accurate like they changed some of the details to make it a slightly more interesting story some of the characters are a little bit different some of the events are a little bit out of order none of that actually matters and the cinematography is really good you know when when they're making a movie based on a video game that can either go really well or really terribly mm -hmm. in terms of trying to integrate some of that video game feeling and video game graphics to it. I thought it was really good. It was not overly done at all. Jen even thought that 
the 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 visual effects and all of that stuff were done really well they occasionally did use like the rear chase camera that you would have in a lot of video in a lot of racing video games it was done really well the characters were really good um it turns out that the guy who plays is it hopper in stranger things the cop um oh yeah He's Hooper? he's in this movie. Hopper? I don't know. Hooper. Hooper, Hopper, whatever the heck his name is in Stranger Things. That guy. He's one of the main characters in this movie. He's the same guy in in, in Stranger he Things. He always is. In this, apparently. Yeah. He has one character and it's that guy. But it's good. I, I we really enjoyed it. We we liked it a lot. I would absolutely watch it again. Uh when driving home, my daughter was like, We're gonna buy that movie, right? And I said, Well, maybe. If you liked it, next you should watch Ford versus Ferrari. So I'm hoping that that's going to be next up soon for her because I really loved Ford versus Ferrari. Yeah, I still need to see that. It's so good. It is so good. <laughs> but it was also a movie that was basically custom made for me. So I'm a little biased. <laughs> it's one of my favorite stories in motorsports. So it was perfect for me. Uh, but that's it. I've dabbled in a couple of books. None of them have really been great. So they're not even worth mentioning. Uh, and that's about it. Waiting for Starfield to come out in like a week. You know, lots and lots of big games coming out soon. They might not actually matter, though, because there's a new Forza Motorsport coming out this fall. And for long, long, long time fans of the show, you may remember that I had a period of my life where I pretty much only played one game. And I wouldn't even call it a game. It was called iRacing. It was, it was the most realistic racing simulator available, and it still is, but I haven't played it in years because I don't have a good computer anymore, and it's computer only. They're bringing a bunch of the features of iRacing that I loved to Forza Motorsport, so it's on a machine that I already have, a machine that I have a steering wheel that connects to. I might be lost forever to Forza <laughs> Motorsport when it comes out this fall. <laughs> we'll see. It might make what's going on in my entertainment center even less interesting than it has been most weeks. <laughs> so, yeah, that's it for what's going on for me and for what's going on on this week's show. So if you want to get a hold of us, there's a lot of ways you can do that. Uh, well, I'm on Twitter. The website is on Twitter, or I guess it's X, whatever, uh, at Josh Pollard, at DigimediaZone. Richard and I are both on Mastodon at Richard Gunther at Josh Pollard. Uh, the other thing that you can do is go over to the website, www.thedigitalmediazone.com, because that's where our show notes are. So anything that we've talked about, we'll have links to it there, including that video that we talked about at the very beginning of the show that's teasing MB doing Windows Media Center. You've got to go and watch that. So head to the website for the show notes to get that. But you should also head to the website because there's a new episode of Richard's other podcast called Home On. Richard, what's going on with the latest Home On? Yeah, so as I like to do, I just randomly dropped a new episode of Home On out <laughs> with Jeff Butch, the managing editor at the Mac Observer. And we talked about what's going on with HomeKit these days. There's been a bunch of changes with Matter coming out. There's been some architectural changes. There's some new stuff coming up in the new version of iOS that we'll probably all get at the September 12th announcement that has now been announced for Apple. So it was a delightful conversation, frankly. I loved talking with him about it. He was a lot of fun. He was a great guest. And uh, I, I did something new this time that I think, I hope, will make it easier for me to get episodes out. This was a lot easier for me to edit because I took advantage of Adobe's AI-based audio processing software. And it goes through and does a lot of the stuff that I typically do manually, like deal with breaths and excessive noises and reverb in the room and all the stuff that can end up taking a lot of extra time for me. It just handles all of that automatically. And I listened back a couple times to make sure it didn't sound too processed. 
But I was really happy with the results, and hopefully this will mean I can get more episodes out without feeling, I don't know, oppressed by the work in front of me to do so. <laughs> so. <laughs> awesome. Well, we will definitely be looking forward to more episodes. It was a great episode, even if you're not in the the Max ecosystem and, and the HomeKit ecosystem. Just good smart home talk, which... Hey, there's one fewer podcast to listen to uh, for content yeah. like that. So listen to Home On from Richard because it's awesome. Yeah. So also come back and check out the show live. Uh, now that hopefully things are getting a little bit more normal for us, we're going to try and do this uh, more consistently live. I hope uh, when we do that, it's typically Tuesday nights, although sometimes on a Wednesday night around 8.30 p.m. Eastern, I'm going to post about it on x god i hate this language and uh richard may post about it on mastodon to give you heads up on the nights that we're going to do this live and then also if you're watching again on youtube like the video subscribe to it there so that you can get notified whenever there is a new episode released there but that's going to do it for episode 627 he's richard gunther and I'm Josh Pollard. Thanks for listening to Entertainment 2.0. Adios. Goodbye.